It's the Paul Patterson and Tom Scallon podcast show. They're talking the walk and not about sloppy, sloppy Joes. So, talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk show. Welcome back to episode 40 of Talking the Walk, Bill Walsh. I am Paul Patterson. And I'm Tom Scout. And I am Kevin Ferguson. Woohoo! There he is. He's on, people. You can't see him, but we can, and it is glorious. So yeah, he's he's still dressed in his Nike polo with his nice haircut, shiny not, teeth. Not quite as felt as I was back in the Norwalk days. Sharp. Oh my gosh, yeah. Sharp. That's all there is Stand to up it. So we can see it. We want to tell. Stand up. <laughs> well, I'm not wearing anything now. Well, hold on. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> that goes original music. Jake Brown. Original artwork, Billy Bishop. Social media director, Tyler Stanley. Fact checker, Joe Martin. And marketing director, Jeff Graby. Okay, so I told you two I had a question for you. And I don't know why I thought of this. I don't know where this came from. I just know that it popped into my head. So here's the question. Where did the term Peter come from when it comes to getting away from a bad hunt? Scout me with that one? Well, I, you want, this is an explicitly. X-rated? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a derogatory way to say the punter has um hunted very poorly and like you might call somebody the name a name associated with penis it's just peter okay did you want to take a crack at i have no idea that's why i'm asking no idea well i i thought it stemmed and i was always told this in high school and that is it stemmed from by Coach Jenkins. Yeah, the male genitalia, and that is you want to get it out of there. So you say, Peter, Peter, that means get your Peter out of there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to think. <laughs> I don't know why you're asking this question. I've got 18,000 things going through my head, all of which would give us a bad read. <laughs> I'm just, that's kind of because I thought of it. I don't know why. I just it came to me, and I was like, Jesus, "You know what? Johnson I'm going to ask these two. That's just baloney." <laughs> I'm going to ask those two. Okay. Are we you good with hold, that? I don't. You got to hold on. Well, you got to. The next person that comes. You got to talk about Oski. Where does Oski come from? Right. Okay. So that would be the, that would be very similar. Where do yeah. these come from? Yeah. I don't know. I tried to change Oski way back when I was a head coach, and. I couldn't get it done because the yeah. kids didn't understand. I was like, let's start yelling Norwalk, Norwalk. It's two syllables, just like Oski, and they didn't get it. Yeah. That making sense. Wolf in basketball. Wolf. I don't know if I've heard Wolf. You know, you probably had the ball stolen a lot from you. <laughs> I, 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 no. Um, should I? I would know Wolf if I had that happen to me a lot then or what? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Someone coming up from behind. 
<laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. Listeners. I thought that was a soccer term for man on. <clears throat> <laughs> Close. I see how it is. So yeah. listeners, if there's anybody out there that knows the story behind why Peter is, is yelled at a bad punt, um, I'll take that feedback. Next, hopping in the confessional. Here's the first one. This has nothing to do with masculinity or anything like that. It, it is, I don't like lotion for my hands. And, and when it gets extremely dry, I should use lotion more often, but I don't like the way that it feels. It just, it, it, it gives me a greasy feel. I don't like it. However, there are extreme cases like when it's, you know, 13 below on a, on a consistent basis that I need some lotion. So last Thursday night, I decided that I was going to, I was going to lotion up. However, I decided not to go get my normal Neutrogena lotion, <laughs> which is <laughs> Swiss formula and it's unscented, nothing else in it. I decided that I was going to use some of the stuff that I have in the drawer in the, in the bathroom, which I have lifted from a uh, um, hotel. As I am getting ready to put it on, get it going, and as I start to put it into my hands, I realize that there's a reason why it said um, that it was body lotion because there's perfume and alcohol in there. I don't know if you understand what it feels like to have all those open little sores and everything on your hands as you're rubbing um, something with alcohol into your skin. It did not feel very good. Hmm. which then further proves or, or further um, puts me in a position of, I don't like lotion. Hmm. So I'm, uh, do your homework. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking I'm going to need some alcohol since we just got done talking about Peters and lotion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, well, well done. Hold on. Well, hold on. Have you tried the O'Keefe's working hands? No, no, I, I'm, I'm a Neutrogena guy with the exception of last Thursday night when I took the, oh. <laughs> the lifted perfumed um, lotion that I put on my hands that didn't go very good. I love the Neutrogena. We are talking about Kevin Ferguson here. So his recommendation of lotion may be- Yeah, what do you got? Throw it out. It's a game changer. It, it's, I, is this an advertise? Maybe this is part of the advertisement here, but O'Keefe's, I mean, you put it on, it's not greasy on your hands. And it actually dries and it doesn't burn in the okay. open. I'm telling you, it's okay. It's worth a shot. Does okay. it moisturize your scalp? Because that's what I use lotion for. Scalp moisture. And you don't like the, you know, the, the shiny scalp, right? I mean, it might. It, it's worth the shot. I mean, it's about two bucks, two, three bucks at Walmart. Okay. Okay. So, I'm sold. I'm sold on trying it. Yeah. Thank I you. just use I just use whatever Mel has and I put it on my head. It nice. Works. So it's good next looking. confessional. It's really more of an update. Update. I am I am now down to about 1300 calories for the next three days in order for me to hit my 45,300 calories for the 28 days of, of uh, February. I have absolutely crushed it in the last week and a half. Crushed my calories you mean burning your calories yeah 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 yeah. taking care of them on my apple watch okay that was fun now and are you... the, it seems like the result has been this uh terrible cold that everybody's hearing 
Yeah, yes. You've, you've worn yourself so out that now you've made yourself susceptible to a cold. You do that and you're too old, you could be dead. Well, at this point in time, I don't care. I'm getting 45,300 calories taken care of. I don't care. It's happening. Is it going to start over in the next month? No, they give you a different challenge each month. Oh, okay. Like the, the, like the month of January was you had to, you had to get so many miles um, walked or ran, whatever. You had to get them so many completed um, for the entire month. And I don't remember, it was like 245 miles or something like that for the month of January. Yeah. So the month of March will be something different. I don't know what it'll be. It's not mm -hmm. like they give you a, they just, it sh it'll show up on Monday when March one hits and oh. it'll say, Hey, here's your new goal. I don't have an Apple watch, but I, I think I'll participate. Now I'll just tell you how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. It, you wouldn't have been, you don't wear a watch. So you would have never known how many calories you were burning. Yeah, I do. I just, <laughs> I calculate it. Yeah. <laughs> My last confessional, last confessional death by comparison. I have to get better at a, as a, a 46 year old man to stop comparing myself to everybody and everything. Thought I'd share that. I've got to get better at that. I've got to do less comparing. I thought you got over that at the bachelor party. <laughs> um, probably not. Obviously not, because I'm still here. Still going. Uh, All right. Scallon, we know you're not getting in the confessional. Come on, Scallon. You got nothing? Oh, okay. I, what I have to confess is this. Last week, I made a comment about Dennis Barron knowing some of the people that signed your petition. Maybe that should be a new part of the whole program, the Paul petition. Um, and Dennis does not know anybody and didn't go to school with anybody that would have signed that. He might know them now, but he didn't know them then. So, Dennis Barron, I apologize to you. That was going to be part of my feedback. So I'm glad you took care of that now. Nice job. That's my confessional. Nice, I'm saying nice job. Nice job. Yeah. All right. Person, what do you got? I've got a confessional. Um, Ooh. This is unusual for me. Um, I usually don't spend a whole lot of time uh, watching TV shows, and especially you know all different shows and Amazon and uh, you know Man in the High Castle to uh, ones on Apple TV Plus, and that's the one that I got hooked on. And one in particular was uh, Ted Lasso, and I binged watched Ted Lasso in the course of three nights. And, uh, and loved every bit of it. Loved it. So I don't know if you have had a chance to watch Ted Lasso, but it's, it's good stuff. Um, you're, the, you're like the third person that's told me that. And it sounds like it's really, well, I love Jason Sudeikis anywhere and anyway, and the premise seems really funny. So. Well, what I thought was really interesting, what I think drew me in the most was that there's a lot of, underlying uh, and camouflaged like coaching messages in the whole thing and i love it so whatever whatever uh, setbacks he had he never saw it as a setback and it's unique how he intertwines and i don't want to spoil it but there's just a lot of really good little coaching messages that i took from that's that's what our principal said that there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of good messages beyond the humor yeah yeah and and it's, it's two always, seasons always now right have a good principal yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. Isn't it, isn't it two seasons? 
<laughs> yeah, um, they're coming out. They just had the first season. They're supposed to be coming out with the second season. Oh, already. I thought for whatever reason, I thought the the second one had there were some that were released already, but but not yet. Yeah, maybe they have, but I I highly recommend. Uh, so Paul, I don't know if that? you are you uh, you're a podcast listener, but I bet you and I do not listen to the same podcasts. I listen to Brene Brown, and she had, um, she had him on Jason Sudeikis along with his co-star. And they yeah. talked about Ted Lasso, like, and, and how they were creating it and how they come up with the different episodes and things like that. It was a great episode um, of her podcast when she interviewed those guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, really he's awesome. He's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Ready for feedback? I didn't know if you were going to read this one, but here's the first one. Michelle Flores. Listening to the pod right now, Paul is completely right regarding the humidifier situation. More moisture in the air means more moisture in the mucous membranes of the nose. That means fewer nosebleeds. That was the number one tip we received when our daughter had three nosebleeds a day for at least two years. Also, the moisture in the air causes the wood to swell like it would during a humid summer, which means the gaps between the boards is less than it would be in a cold, dry environment. Hmm. Thank you. Just what I needed, Paul, to be right, which I thought was a terrible shot on your part. It had... <laughs> you were just arguing to argue anyway. The same principle holds with the subfloor. Oh, sorry. Although when <laughs> I, this is from you. Although when I checked into the most of the creaking of the floor is in the subfloor, not necessarily the wood floor. So she came back with the same principle holds with the subfloor. In cold weather, it shrinks, which can cause squeaks. This happens less often in the summer when the wood of the subfloor has expanded due to the moisture and heat content of the environment. It's science, baby. And then you came back. What I read is the squeaks are also caused by a loose screw or a lack of a screw at a certain location. So to say it is only the humidifier would be speculation. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, that, so that makes me semi-right. I will concede on the speculation part because what you've said is true and Paul did not specify that this is a winter only issue. However, it is an only winter only issue. The culprit is the moisture level of the wood and not the loose screws. So that was fun listening to you two go back and forth on that one. And I just stayed out and said, thank you. Next, Brad Criswell. If you were going to have only one hands-free device in the restroom of that type, they definitely got it right. Number one, you flush, your hands are dirty. Number two, you depress the plunger for the timed water, your hands are dirty. Number three, you depress the soap dispenser, your hands are dirty. Number four, you wash your hands in the soap and water, your hands are now clean. Number five, you now use the hands-free dryer paper towel dispenser to dry your clean hands. Number six, you exit the restroom with your clean hands. This is where his list now changes direction a little bit. Things that can throw a wrench in that system are the following. Number one, the depress the plunger type of water dispensers almost never run the water long enough. And every time you have to repress the, the redepress the plunger, you reintroduce your hands to the germs on the plunger. Aggravating. <laughs> Next, doors on a public restroom should always swing outwards. Once you've washed your hands, the last thing you want to do is grab a handle on an inward swinging door to get out of the restroom, thereby introducing your hand to a handle that countless sellers that were either in a hurry or simply didn't wash after using the restroom have just grabbed said door handle with their nasty hands. When I encounter a door 
such as that, I will use the paper towel I have just dried my hands with to grab the handle. I will then throw away that paper towel in the trash can that they better have outside the restroom for that exact reason. If said trash can does not exist, I will drop the paper towel on the floor outside the restroom. Oh, that's so funny. Um, they, the owner of that facility, should know better. And if not, hopefully they figure it out after finding used paper towels on the towel on the floor outside of the restroom. That's right. <laughs> that was, that was Brad. Yeah. yeah. He's never written anything that long in his life. Did he do a dissertation on bathroom cleanliness? There it is, right there. Right That's there. That's extensive. Cole Hopkins. Like Here it. we go. Everybody ready? Phoenix. It was amazing to listen to you two dance around the term suck down, but that is in fact what needs to happen at the pit. <laughs> and he is accurate. That is exactly what I was dancing around. I did not want to say suck down, but here I have now said it twice. Um, I'll be surprised if Kevin Ferguson, about. sorry, you, you cut you off, what? I'm sorry, I don't even know what he's talking about. Okay, I'll be, I'll be surprised if Kevin Ferguson shows up next week after you overly detailed review of his personal grooming yet <laughs> here you are i'm still here <laughs> coach kuhn was awesome for us in middle school so much so that we actively tried to get him to move up with us and coach eighth grade sorry gravy 17 parents may show up to qb club after a loss six may show up after a win but on a few special occasions it winds up being a coach p on waters date night there were a couple times where um oren's dad was the only one that showed up um, for a quarterback club, I forgot. About them. They were pretty funny and special. Um, and then here's the last one. This one you'll enjoy, Scallon. I can attest to how incredibly frustrating it is to play Madden against Hugh with Lamar at his disposal. That's true, too. He backs up 15 yards, then he runs, breaks contain. Doesn't matter if I do contain, doesn't matter if I put a spy on him. I'm going to find a way. I think I'm going to play a three, two, six, and I'm going to send a corner blitz from one side and walk down my own safety from the other. That's my new plan. Okay. Or maybe you could get him so that he has to go to the bathroom in the middle of the third quarter. So he's, he's off the field. That may have been a true thing that happened. We, we still don't know. Can't confirm or deny. Peter Sam. If a school has to do value engineering, then it makes sense to start with touch-free paper towel dispensers. Even if you have to touch the bathroom, other surfaces, you can wash and dry your hands without recontaminating them by using the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the restroom door to leave. Number two, I enjoy when you keep scaling grounded from his fantasy fiction. <laughs> Number three, Great positive for the week. Kathy is always friendly and is a great custodian. She is an awesome, awesome human being. Um, Mark Farrington. So he, he let me know that he started to listen to Smartless. Have you listened to Smartless at all? Both of you have? I have just a little bit. Okay. They're just, they're really good. Um, number two, he then threw, by the way, great verbal battle with Scallon and Magnum PI reality versus Star Wars. Um, <laughs> and then he said, at some point in time, I need to challenge you. If you get, if you get um, too far down a rabbit hole, Schmitz, you, you need to be challenged on how in a galaxy far, far away, they learned how to speak English um, without ever knowing what English is. But he just, he thought I should bring up the English part. 
that is right right once again magnum pi is reality you know how do, how does he oh, and everybody oh, how do they even afford to live in hawaii they don't have enough money There's, it's so expensive there oh my gosh you do not <laughs> oh you arguing about dumb stuff this is unbelievable. It's true. This conversation I, again. Have you, been to, have you been to Hawaii? <laughs> I have, have to the eyes of Magnum P.I. He lived it's at Robin's Nest. Yeah, but it's not even filmed there. It was filmed in like California and they just did stock footage of Hawaii just to make you feel good. Oh my gosh. Dennis Burra, you already took care of. He was he was very concerned about how he he somehow got lumped in with the with the petition signers. Um, and he wanted to clarify that that, no. So you took care of that. So I thought that was really good. Um, this is Gravy. Now, by the way, we, we went off the hook there for a while. Um, so feel your pain on the sorting of the laundry. My, my youngest two are separated by a quarter inch and two pounds. They might as well share it all. My oldest clothes sometimes ends up in my pile from time to time. Love the fist bump handshake afterwards, especially helps you learn names of kids, which is really good if you are a new coach, which was, which was good. Madden football with my boys do the same thing with Lamar Jackson. So it usually takes me a quarter to realize I can't tackle him one-on-one -on -one and switch to a dime. It's a little scout. Mm. This is the one that I really don't want to read, but I'm going to read it anyway because it's still part of feedback. Coach Schmitz, 3A Coach of the Year. Not sure Coach P, Coach Weedman, and now Coach Schmitz can be in the same room at the same time. Too much greatness. <laughs> of course, you came with the Big timers for sure. Oh yeah, yeah that's you you three and Kelly Allman, all big timers now. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, she's she is teaching everyone how to do POs and everything else. So you you four cannot be in the same space. If you all went into the teachers' lounge, there'd be no way anybody fit. Fair enough. Um, and then the idea. last piece of uh, feedback is Tyler Shamel. Scallon avoiding the. Confessional is annoying, but funny at the same time because part of me feels he does it to grind people's gears. Typical. Good to Great is an excellent book. Oh, acting like you're innocent. Shaking you up after each practice or game was awesome, I think was most important after bad practice or bad game. Allows the athletes to reset and forget about themselves and remember the bigger picture. Dad was listening um, when you went over the positive and out of nowhere, he says, well, I hope he likes the trim work in his house. Totally forgot about that. Excellent episode. Um, which by the way, the Shamels did our last two houses. Um, the one on Swan court and now the one in Dorchester, they took care of the trim. So yes, the Shamels have done a fantastic job for us in our, in our houses. Um, does the three, a coach of the year deserve to get to be the first call in now on the pod? And I said, heck no, I don't really care. He's not getting it. So that's it for uh when did you know that Shamos did your did your uh trim at the Swan Court? Uh when he was doing it. And you still didn't play him? He did play, just not as a sophomore. Man, sure. you figure that that'd be enough to play. Oh my gosh. Well, maybe maybe that should get out to people then that it doesn't matter who you are. <clears throat> it really does matter what you do. Um do you have any feedback? Me? No. Yeah. No? No. Ferguson? Do you have any? Nope. Yeah, okay. Um, high school sports, you know, wrestling, we had seven make it. Obviously, we, we talked last week that we finished fifth at state duels, and then we had seven young men make it, and I think we had a seventh, an eighth, and a third. 
um, place finished on those seven. So had a, had a pretty good week down at the uh, old Wells Fargo arena last week for uh, state wrestling, not only the team duels, but then, you know, for the three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for the individual state. Um, you guys had a, had a second place finisher at your heavyweight. Yes, we did. He was, okay. uh, yeah, sorry. That's not... Hey, uh, pausing is my thing. Yes. Uh, yeah, Gabe Greenlee, he was, he was, uh, I mean, he's a fantastic wrestler. Wish I could have gotten him out for football. Uh, wasn't yeah. able to accomplish that one, but yeah, he's, he's got a bright, uh, career ahead of him here at Iowa state. He, uh, he's, he's the one that beat our, our heavyweight. Oh, so they, it, it. so they, they wrestled in the semifinals and, and, uh, he beat her. I think he won three to two, I think. And then he ended up losing to the, uh, the kid from Bettendorf. Yeah, he was, on a he was out for blood. He looked, he looked really good. And um, he crushed him. Yeah. So then, uh, girls basketball, they they won last week against Hoover, and then they lost on Saturday to uh, at Creston. And then I see Dow Center Grimes. I think ended up beating Creston to uh, to advance to the state tournament. And then boys basketball, they beat Mason City on Monday, and then tomorrow night they play at Ankeny against the Hawks to uh, mm -hmm. to see if they can advance to the next round. Not quite state tournament level yet. Um, they got to win two more games, so they got to win tomorrow night and then next week. So that uh, that's kind of it for uh, high school sports. You got anything else to add? You two, either of you? Yeah, the uh, the Ames High Level Cyclones starting to square off tomorrow night against um, the Hoover Huskies, the Husky Dogs. Oh yeah. boy, Hoover yeah. Dogs! Yeah. And <laughs> sir, oh. So. Ames had a Ames had a Monday by Monday night buy, correct? Had a first round buy. Yes, yes. Yeah, didn't so this will be this will be round two, but their first game. Right, correct. Yeah. Same correct. as same as Ankeny for us, you know, yeah. as far as on our side. Okay, so let's go. We're gonna go Criswell's corner. Kevin Ferguson is joining yeah. us <clears throat> um, in Criswell's corner, and of course, you know, the drill with Criswell's corner is Brad Criswell likes to know what what people got going on a little history he wants to know a little bit more about him. Um, he's probably, as he's listening to this is Facebooking you right now, checking you out, seeing what kind of dirt he can dig up on you. Um, as you, as you get ready to talk your way through um, just a little bit of a, a life history of the, he might be, he might be doing it under a false name like police do. Good. I'll have to keep an eye out. Yeah. So yeah, you want me? You're in. You're in. Chris off? Corner. First off, Kevin first off, I just gotta say, I gotta say, hey, thank you for having me on. Um, this is a this is special. This is the very first podcast I've ever been on, and uh, welcome. Um, so yes, thank you for having me, and also Schmitty, congrats! What a great accomplishment for uh, the wrestling program for you. Um, awesome, man. Couldn't be happier for you. Uh, but uh, well, I. I mean, let's rewind all the way back. <clears throat> I was a Simpson grad. Where'd you go to high school? High school, uh, Newton. I was Newton Cardinal. Played underneath uh, uh, John Jenkins. And, and multiple years of going to playoffs, had a lot of fun, a lot of success there. Then after that, I, I headed off to Simpson College, played underneath uh, the legendary Jim Williams. <clears throat> and... Uh, had a great experience there as well. I know, you know, Scallon had his back to his days there at Simpson College. And then from there, um, 
I did my student teaching over at Norwalk at the middle school. And I was in the health and I also did a little bit with PE there. Um, I did a good enough job. They, uh, they thought that they should uh, maybe keep me around. So my, I got started there in Norwalk. Uh, what's crazy is that I only spent, I really only spent two years there, um, but uh, have been able to maintain really good relationships uh, with the people that were there for far many years. Here I am. That was all the way back. I came there in 2001. And here we are, you know, 20 years later and still maintaining those friendships and those relationships, which I value very much. Um, it was us eating stay. lunch together every day. That's what, that's what helped. It was, it was, it was, yeah, that and um, eating Mandarin oranges. And that, I think that was <laughs> that's what got us all kicked off there. So, but yeah, and, and what I, I got to say is that Norwalk doesn't realize how good they got it with these two individuals that are on this podcast right now. Um, well done. Well done. So, uh, but anyways, after that, uh, I spent, uh, I coached the linebackers and I coached uh, the freshmen. Um, and then after that, I was asked by John Siriani, who was the athletic director at Simpson college to come back and coach there. Uh, what a great opportunity. I'm young. Um, don't have anything tying me down. So I ended up taking that job. I come in, uh, Jay Neiman, who's now the uh, recruiting coordinator for Iowa and is also the assistant D-line coach at, at Iowa. Um, unique story about him, but I, I won't go into it. But yeah, he hired me there at Simpson. Uh, he had me come in and I, I did linebackers. And man, I was fresh. I was new. I, I'm shocked that he, he had me where I was at. Uh, continued to give me more and more leadership types of roles. Um, but I will remember that he was always on me. You know, that first year, he's always he continually was like, coach him up, coach. You got to coach him up. Every play, we should be talking. Every, every time, we should be communicating something. Um, but I learned a tremendous amount of football from being around him from a defensive standpoint. And got to the point where he, he on game days, um, he would hand over the, the defense play call sheet and he'd say, here you go. And, uh, go ahead, make the calls. And I, you know, like, wow, you're going to trust me with this. He said, yeah, go ahead. And, and then after the game, he said, you know what, by the time we got all the, all, all the research done and all the numbers crunched, really a monkey could call the game. Um, and, uh, so I was like, hey, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. So, um, so after that, then, uh, Jay had it time run its course there at Simpson and uh, he moved on I was at a crossroads of what to do uh, do I stay at Simpson do I try and continue to further what I was doing in college level and so I chose to stay I, I felt like I didn't have enough experience behind me to start jumping around Jim Glogowski came in he told me well if you want to continue on this staff you will have to uh, move over and coach the offensive line and initially, I was just absolutely shocked by that. I was set back. I have no idea. I've, I've been a linebacker. I've been on defense in college. I have no clue about offensive line. He said, well, that you can do that. I've been told by Sirianna that you're a good guy to keep around. And so I said, after, after a couple of days of reflection, I said, perfect opportunity. Let's go. And so then I, I picked up on that, coached with uh, him for the next. So I coached with Jay there for five, coached with Jim. Uh, which is, I mean, both coaches, fantastic, different in their approach and how they go about their business. And I coached there for another seven more years. 
And, uh, and then it, it, for me, it started to kind of run, run its course. I, I got married within that time. I had uh, a kid at that time, uh, my oldest Blake. And then it was really, you started to take a look and say, I'm investing a ton of time in college recruiting. Uh, what a lot of people don't know about division three football is that it's about, about numbers and bringing those numbers into your program. So I would spend many nights, I would get home from doing recruiting all day long in the spring. And then I would call from literally seven to nine 30, 10 and trying to draw, you know, just trying to pound the pavement, get recruits in. Uh, and then, so I did all that, but then it, I was at a crossroads with where, where should I go from here? And then, uh, my, our youngest, uh, Tanner, he goes in the hospital. He's got kidney issues and he's young. I mean, he's just a newborn and he's in there struggling. And I get a phone call from Brad Zelinovich. He said, here's the deal. We got an open PE spot. Um, I'm coming back to Southeast Polk to coach. Uh, would like for you to come and coach the offensive line. You want to do it. And once again, it was another one of those moments of I'm kind of taken back, spent all this time in college. I go to high school. Um, and then ultimately it comes down to family. And so I decided to go back to the high school level and coach around with Brad. He's just had come back from being at Ankeny, coming into Southeast Polk. We're really kind of starting from square one to a certain extent and trying to build the program up the right way. And so I spent five years coaching there, offensive line. He really gave me a lot of, a lot of leeway with the run game. He pretty much said, here you go, run game, figure out what we're going to do this week, and, and I'll just call it and go from there. So I got the opportunity to be essentially like a co-coordinator along with them. I think all of our offensive guys on that staff were co-coordinators because we all chipped in. And, and you know those first couple of years at Southeast Polk, I mean, we were trying to come up with every play there was just to kind of scratch out two to three yards. So then after that, um, I went uh, – and I started to have the itch to be a head football coach and started looking and interview or not interviewing, but get my name out there. And it'd been like a couple of years and really hadn't turned up, drummed up a whole heck of a lot. Um, and then finally, uh, you know, Ames had called and, and I went up there and I interviewed and, and uh, things went well and, and kind of took off from there. But I, I, like I said, I got to circle back around and just say the coaches that I've been around and, how they've went about their business, extremely professional. Each one of them has their own ways, but fantastic people. I think, I think you got that uh, head coaching job right after I wrote my letter of recommendation, right? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you got it. It's the difference maker. You're always the difference maker, Scallon. So In something. In something. Brad Criswell, that is the life story. Kevin Ferguson. He didn't get into how many brothers he has and what all the brothers do and everything else, but but we got a, we got a pretty good gist yeah. of, of the life that Kevin Ferguson has led. So we're going to jump to non-sponsor. I'm really excited for this, and I am I am locked in on Kevin Ferguson as I say this. The the non-sponsor of episode 40, Bill Walsh, talking the walk, is the library. It is a, uh, it's the home of, home of the nachos. It is on University <laughs> Avenue, just down from Drake University. How do you remember that? <laughs> it is tonight's non-sponsor. A lot of good memories at the library. 
Yes. One in particular. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Very pretty. Very pretty. So. <laughs> it is a, it is a, the nacho okay. plate is pretty. If you could see me now, my face is lit up. Boy, you got me. You think you're good. <laughs> Man, I, I have been waiting now. a week. <laughs> I have been waiting a week to, to do the non-sponsor. So excited. Uh, now, if you have not had a chance of, to visit the library, number one, it is not a place to go read. Although they, they do have some stuff on the bathroom walls that you probably could get it. Yeah. Number two, it is an extremely tight parking lot. Yes. Not very much room for parking. Number two or three, sorry, I'm on three. The, the, the amount of space on the inside of the establishment is also not very big. Okay. That is also, but number four, at one point in time, it's been years since I've been there, but man, were their nachos Ooh. absolutely the best. Yes. Nachos and clientele that day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the best memories made. <laughs> very, very much so. Wow. I can't believe it. So the library know. on University Avenue in Des Moines is our non-sponsored episode 40. Quality. Good work yeah. out of you. Thank you. So yeah. why is this called Bill Walsh? Well, here's the deal. Remember, this is part three in a three-part series where we went from the dark ages here at Norwalk. Then we went to the Phoenix, right? Phoenix, rising from the ashes, some of the different things that we did in order to, to get to a different level um, and, and bring ourselves back out of the dark ages. And now what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to shift gears just a little bit. And we are going to bring in, well, Kevin Ferguson, we're going to talk about taking over a program. So you have gone from being in a program that isn't going well to changing some things to being, being better. And now we're going to talk about what do we do when we take over a program? So why Bill Walsh? Well, Bill Walsh has a book called Finding the Winning Edge that he wrote many moons ago. It is a 550-page book. And basically, it is a blueprint on what you need to do in order to run an NFL organization from everything from custodial staff to office staff to assistant coaches to draft day to GM. I mean, everything that you need to do in order to be successful at running an NFL organization, he has in this book. Now, I do not have a copy of this book because I do not have $450 to drop on it because that is the going price right now. If you try to find um, Finding the Winning Edge by Bill Walsh on the uh, World Wide Web right now. So, we decided, well, I decided that we would name it Bill Walsh because we're going to find the blueprint of taking over and running a program. So we're going to start at the beginning. Okay, here we go. Question number one for Kevin Ferguson. You decide that you want to be a head coach. Okay, what were the steps that you took to get yourself ready to be a head coach and what help did you seek? Gotcha. Well, first off, putting any sort of connotation to me and Bill Walsh. Holy cow. I mean, you're welcome. He's unbelievable, but thank you. Um, I think, you know, you can take all the, ultimately you can take all the steps that you want to take and I, and I'll go through those steps. But uh, as my high school football coach told me all the way back when I had just graduated from, uh, from Simpson college, I, he asked me what I wanted to do. And this is the late John Jenkins. Um, love him model a lot of what I do after him um and he said I said well I'd like to be a head football coach and he said well what are you waiting for 
go do it now. And he said, because if you go and do it, um, you're going to learn more than ever before. And I, I spent several years of trying to figure out, hey, am I ready? Am I not ready? And, and bottom line is you're, you're never ready. Um, you can do all that you want, uh, but you're never ready for, I think, making some of those calls and decisions. I'm only, you know, eight, nine months into this thing. And I, you know, I still, you're going to learn a ton as we go. But I would say right offhand is in your coaching progression, wherever you're at and whatever you're doing, um, try and learn multiple different positions. And we're talking about the game of football. I, I think it's important. And I just by happenstance, have been forced into learning a lot of different things on defense, a lot of things on offense. Now coming to Ames, um, I, I, I now went beyond just the offensive line. I coached quarterbacks. I've spent time with the wide receivers and you become a coordinator. So just having uh, a knowledge base, uh, I've worked at Simpson College with special teams, a knowledge base to all those different things. Um, I, I always encourage people not to turn away from those opportunities because really those that's exactly what they are is their opportunities to grow and, and to develop and to understand the game better because I think the best coaches that are out there have a really full understanding of the game the rules uh the fundamentals and they just really understand the game and, and those are the most successful people um I I will spend um any sort of time that I spend driving in a vehicle you know that window windshield time that you're driving down the road uh, I usually make it a point. Uh, I'm big into listening to books on, on Audible, uh, to listen to the blogs, um, and just trying to find bits and pieces to pull out to to apply. And um, and, and so also, uh, I think a key component, and this is all stuff. So if it, I think looking down the road, if you ever have like a goal, of this is what you want to be, that never. I think the preparation of never missing um, an opportunity to connect with someone and um, you just never know, be it a person that's in a high place or a person that's just, uh, I don't know, uh, the ninth grade football coach. Um, you just, you never know how those, those roads will lead and come back together and to never miss an opportunity to make a really good impression on people along the way. You know, I think the, the, so I got several things here for you. Number one, Al and I, Lammers, our athletic director, have talked on several occasions about people that we're looking at um, bringing in to hire. And I think the, the, the unfortunate thing is, is that we spend so much time in, and I'm talking from the hiring side, mm -hmm. that we think everybody should walk in and be 100% ready to be a head coach. And that is mm -hmm. never going to happen. There, no matter how experienced you are, you're going to come into a new situation and you're going to experience something new. It's whether or not you're, you're equipped enough to, to grow from it and to learn and, and to make the best of it. We, we spend all this time thinking we've got to, we got to have the perfect person that's coming in and it's not going to happen. Hmm. You're going to, you're going to learn and you're going to grow no matter what. The second, and, and this is something you and I have spent a significant amount of time talking about, and that is. It is important in today's world to have a title, not just yes. to be assistant football coach Kevin Ferguson, but to be co-coordinator, co-offensive coordinator, or defensive coordinator, or special teams coordinator, something like that, 
-hmm. It is. And again, we're talking football because that's what all three of us know the best. Um, But it's important to have that title. And I know that that's not a great thing to say, but it is important. It is. is. So when I was, I was interviewing for jobs or I was putting my stuff out for jobs. And and this was a couple of years ago. And I, I just always had listed, you know, offensive line coach, assistant football coach. And then uh, I, I'm thinking, man, there's something that I'm missing here. And so then I, I talked with Z about it one day. He said, he said, yeah, I consider you a cool coordinator. I'm putting that on. And yeah, thank you. Put that on. And then that, that changes. It does. It cha- I feel like it, it made a huge difference when you can say that, that, that you're just in a greater leadership role and you're, you're climbing up that ladder. And yeah, titles are a big deal. You to remember me, that? To me, I mean, I like to humbly just say, I'm just a coach, you know, but in the world that we're living in, you're right on. What's the, uh, you know what the second thing was that we talked about that you had to have? Oh. You had uh, to get an interview. Yes, correct. You, correct. Once, you, once you got that first interview, now yes. more interviews started to come because, oh, well, he got an interview at this job. Well, he got an interview at this job and he got an interview at this job. So yep. that, that, those two things, in my opinion, are, are huge for new coaches that are, that are looking to get into head coaching. Have a title and then yep. find a way to get in on an interview somewhere. Need a feather in the cap is what they yeah. call it. Yeah. Right. Sorry, Scanlon, I cut you off. No, just now that you bring it up, it's been a sore spot for me. I think after all these years, I could be assistant head coach. I mean, I've just been, when they read off all the names, I'm just another assistant. I feel oh. like at this point, they could read head coach Paul Patterson, assistant head coach Tom Scallon, and then the rest of those guys. You dropped, you sure dropped the co-head coach a long time ago, I thought. That's true. <laughs> you know, and I got fired. I got fired. Do you need a title in order because you're thinking of leaving? Well, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe the no. Hoover job will come open and I'll go back home. Then no, I'm keeping you here. The dogs. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that was awkward <laughs> at the end of that right there. <laughs> okay, so your decision was made, right, to, to become a head coach. How did you decide what jobs to really look into? What were you looking for? I, I, I was, I, I just wanted to first off find a, a community that I thought fit my family. And um, just what we've experienced up to this point in where we currently live, which we currently live in West Des Moines, um, and to find something that just, just fit right. Uh, education was really big. So, I mean, it's, it all started there. And then from that point, I started to take a look at, um, what kind of school atmosphere was it? Uh, what, what did they value when you get onto their website? What are they promoting? What are they talking about? Uh, 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 what, and obviously this, what's it what's been the background this rolls right into that next question which was you know after looking into a job what factors were necessary for you for you to apply for that job so you're, you're just you're lumping all this together as far mm-hmm. as i'm interested in this job and now here are these factors and i'm going to apply so and, and so keep going on those those factors that uh were were necessary for you to apply Right. Uh, and just, uh, just a place where I felt 
uh, supported where the football team, I, I was also wanting to find, you want to find a place that's had, if you can, that's had, if, if not recent success, past success. Um, Cause I think it's important to find some traditional elements if you can, uh, that doesn't always work out, but that's just what I was searching for is that they've shown in the past that they've had success. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, those are the, those are the main things I was searching, seeking out. Did, uh, and, and I'm, and I'm putting you on the spot. So I apologize a little bit with this question, but did the, did anything come up for you as far as manner by which the previous coach was leaving retirement versus taking a different job versus maybe things didn't go well. Did, did that factor at all come into whether or not you were going to apply to a job? I think a little bit, I mean, because it tells me whether or not that situation was a, you know, more of a hostile type of situation. But I also like the idea of if there's a coach that's, that is stepping away much like that of Bruce Britton there at Ames that he's stepping away from it because he's got his own personal reasons, but yet he's also a guy that's going to still be within the community. And I I feel more comfortable coming into a situation like that versus, you know, a head coach was fired or, okay, well, what, what was that for? And what kind of atmosphere is that that I'm walking into? Uh, Because, you know, a school, when you're going to try and interview at a place, they're going to put their best foot forward. They're not going to always tell you all the, all the skeletons in the closet. So yeah, I, I think, I think that definitely factors into it. Okay. And it does help having Bruce, you know, yes. I mean, he, he, he walked away because he was choosing to, he's and choosing. he's still around in, in case yeah. you need the, need that um, support from him. Yes. And he's, you know, he's very willing to do whatever. Now he, in his own wisdom said, you know, it's, it's probably not a good idea for me to come right back from walking away from this and help you as an assistant coach, but you know, I'll be here for you for whatever you might need. And I think that that's, that's important because being a, a first time head, head coach, it's, I mean, there's a lot of things that you got to learn. And if you can have somebody that helps mentor you along the way, that makes a difference. Sure does help. Yeah. What, uh, what did you do to get ready for your interview? You found out you applied to Ames Ames calls you up and says, Hey, we want you to come interview. What are you doing? Oh, oh buddy. Um, I start making phone calls to as many people that I know of that are within that community. And I, I want to know every detail. I want to know um, the makeup of the school, uh, the types of kids in the program, the administration, uh, what's the community like. So I started to try and find where are my connections with those those people so that I can continue to gather intel. Um, and, you, you know, the, and then I would spend, um, so you're saying in preparing for the interview. And so then uh, getting ready for that interview, I, I, I would spend time with, uh, um, I, I had to go in into that interview, find a way to paint a picture of me to them before I even got there. Uh, and, and one of the, the best methods that I figured out that I think would work out well was I created, a, as simple as it seems, is a Google site. And within this Google site, it has everything about me, my philosophies, a uh, number of different pictures of what I look like as a coach, as a teacher. Which and, always helps because you are well, a handsome man. <laughs> 
even if you're not, I mean, what I wanted to give them is I want to give them a visual of what I look like so that they, they can start to envision what I would be in front of a team, in front of a program and what my expectations are, because going into that interview, I feel like I've got a certain amount of time to get across to them what I'm all about. Even so when I get there, I'm just touching on the, the, the basics and I'm just maybe fine tuning those things that I've already provided them with. Um, and I think there's something to be said for continuing to put yourself and your name in front of them. If it's through email, if it's through uh, sending, you know, this Google site is that I wanted to find a way that I could always have Kevin Ferguson be a name that pops up that they saw every single day um, going into it so that, you know, I, I more or less try and brainwash them a little bit. And, and, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about here um, a couple of weeks ago was how when <clears throat> you get ready to be, and I'm talking from the person that's sitting in on the interview, that's going to interview you when you walk through the door, as I'm sitting there, the first time I see any, and this is the way Norwalk does, the first time I see anything about Kevin Ferguson is in that stack of papers that's now sitting in front of me as I'm getting ready to interview you, and I'm scrambling through to try and find something, that doesn't give me a lot of time to, to distinguish between you and, and whoever the next yes. um, candidate is. So that little prep work that you do, genius. Well, I like, thank you. I, I like to try and find, I want to know who's going to be on the interview committee. I want to know which coaches, because I want to do the research on those coaches. How's their season going at this point in time? What do they look like? So I can actually know exactly who they are, what they're all about before I even walk into that interview. And, um, and, and then if I know who's going to be on the interview, I will send them the email of what my stuff is too. Cause like you said, um, all that a lot of these people get, they just get stacks of papers. Well, what, yeah. well, what makes you different from everybody else and what, what gets you in front of them a little bit more? I am having to mute <clears throat> because there is a sophomore in his room that is, and I don't know if you can hear him, but is, is shouting at the top of his lungs because he is just hammering people on whatever game he is playing right now. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, that's okay. Because five minutes ago, my dog was attacking me with its ball and now I'm trying to ignore it. So if you see my hand go in front of my eyes, it's so she can't see me. Okay. You're not playing hide and seek. Well, you kind of are. Well, um, I'm hiding from your question. What did you look for um, that had to be present in order for you to say yes to accepting your head football job? Uh, probably just a really strong commitment by administration um, and their willingness to back and support the program. And I specifically ask questions of, okay, you know, it's one thing to share that, yeah, we'll support you, we'll show, show me how that's gonna be done. And, um, you know, they, they would be able to provide me with very, uh, various different specific references to how that would take place. Um, you know, and I could just take a look around at Ames community and at the football program and I can see that they've put a good amount of money, 
resources into what they're doing too. Um, so I think, I think that's first off, um, you know, then I also need to kind of know what coaches, who, who am I going to have, who's going to stick around? Um, what, what kind of players do we have in the program? I think as a coach, you want to, if you can, because you want to get off on the right foot is you want to see if you've got some good kids in the program so that coach Ferguson comes in, we can make something happen right away and get that ball rolling right away. Now that doesn't always work out, but if I can see that those things exist, I think it, it certainly helps out. All right. So you've taken the job. Yeah. What is, take us through the very first moves you make as the head football coach at uh, Ames high school. My first phone call was to Bruce Furtman, the previous head coach. I, I wanted to know the, the lay of the land from his perspective. Wh who are the key who are the key coaches, uh, which coaches will be around, how to situate those coaches based upon personality. Uh, and then next is uh, we, I, I must've spent probably, I'd say three to four hours on him on the phone. And at least two of those, it was like broken up in two phone calls. And we talked about every single kid and every single coach in the program. And I just gathered, I want to know what his thoughts were and, and, and how to better situate them. Then after that, I thought it was really important that we start figuring out who the, who the coaches were going to be and who I could situate them. And, it's, and that process is an extremely long process of phone call after phone call. And, and keep in mind, this is during COVID. I would much rather, I'm a face-to-face -face guy. You know, you can read and, and know a lot more about individuals going face-to-face, -face, but it was just taking the time to have phone call after phone call and even then doubling back with some of the people that you had already talked to to keep gathering information to keep on collecting intel from each person to figure out it's like i i put it to like a big puzzle piece or big puzzle and you got to find and put these puzzle pieces together with how you feel and believe match up with your philosophies and beliefs and to do that it just takes a a, a ton of time um after that I think it was really important to get my name out there um, and to start showing to the public who I am, what I'm excited about, and uh, without a doubt, you know, jumping on Twitter. During COVID, the best way for me to do that was to create a video of me talking to the group, to the program, uh, creating a video that I'd send out to um, teachers there to start to get to know me because, I mean, COVID's going on. And we, who knows when we're going to get back to school again, but at least I could, they could start becoming familiar with me. I spent time having a, a meeting, a virtual meeting with every single player on the team and gathering information about who they are, developing a relationship and getting that relationship started and finding out what they like, what they don't like when it comes to football, uh, what their goals are in the court in football um and so you know started down those roads and then uh i thought what was really important is that our ad at the our ad said hey you know what we need to i need to get you up here for a day and we need to go around to all the different places in the community where there's community leaders or business owners that are strong supporters of Ames high athletics and football and we need to get out and we need to meet all of them and uh, so we hopped in the car, we did that. And I thought that that made a huge difference as just as far as getting out and hand, shaking hands and 
um, you know, getting to know people that way. But that's, that's where I started. Uh, you know, I could continue to expand on all of that stuff, but that's where I started. Now, I thought, oh, uh, sorry. well, I thought you left out the part where you researched the other candidates, where they lived, what car they drove, you know, flatten their tires, things like that. <laughs> I, I did research the other candidates. I wanted to know who was on there. Without a doubt. <laughs> I, I knew you did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then made fake Twitter accounts and sent stuff out about them. <laughs> yeah. Burner account. Is that, that what that's called now? Yes, I'm sorry. Account. Burner account. Burner account. Um, so you've got the job. Yeah. Taking care of your first couple of steps. Now summer is approaching and let's go with a normal summer. Let's not go with a pandemic. Yeah. Summer. A normal summer is approaching. What, what are you doing for your plan when it comes to weights and leadership and skill and drill um, and then the relationship side. And you touched upon the relationships just a little bit as far as, you know, having a, a Zoom or a, or a virtual meeting with them, every player. But now let's go into the summer. What are you doing? Yeah, so so I, I was able to establish things with having a skill and drill twice a week. Um, you know, part of that process, too, is you got to be able to reach out to the baseball coach When's a good time? When's this going to work? Um, and then we started uh, in with training sessions right away as far as the weight room. And what I tried to do as far as relationships, at least early on, was just to hold. I'd always, and I've done this for many years now, and that is after every practice, after every workout session, I'd always make it a point to hold on to one or two players. And I figured that would be my way of kind of chipping away at things. And within one of those two players, you just spin, have a, a five, 10 minute conversation. What's going good, what's going bad? Uh, what things might I like for you to improve on? And so I started doing that as a means of getting to know them uh, as a coaching staff. I mean, we've never coached together. And that's, that's what a lot of people I think don't understand is that at the high school level, it's not like you just go to another place and you can bring all your guys with you. You go into a situation of not knowing anybody and not knowing what their coaching skills, strengths, weaknesses are. And, but yet you have to find a way to start to develop that chemistry at a fast pace. And like for you and Scala, I mean, you've been together for years and you know each other, you know what, what pushes your buttons, what doesn't. And I, I'm blind to all of that stuff. And so we set up, I set up a, a coaching get together and there was a guy on our staff, a coach on our staff that was, his name's Mike Flummerfeld. It's been a fantastic supporter of the program and, and the football team, but he, he opened up his house to us all getting together and, uh, and starting to develop that relationship because I, even though we're adults and we understand that we got to work together and coach together, still, you got to start developing that chemistry um, with one another and, I'll be the first to say that my first year, it was rough. I, I mean, we've, it wasn't perfect. It, I ruffled some feathers. I got my feathers ruffled, you know, but it, it, but that's, you had to start developing chemistry, not only with players, but with coaches, uh, other people on the staff. Um, I had to have a parent meeting and within that parent meeting, I, I wanted to outline everything within my expectations, but within that pyramid, I just didn't want to overwhelm anybody. I wanted to give them just enough so that they knew what my expectations were, um, how I would go about within my discipline process and left it at that. 
I didn't want to get into details. Uh, I didn't want to overly complicate things at that point in time. And I'll be the first to say that my discipline process, even though I laid it out, I went through it with our AD, but it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. And I had to tweak it to the kids and the way that things were already established at Ames. Uh, for instance, you know, there's players that before me even getting there were playing other sports and signed up for different things. And I just couldn't be a one size fit all when it comes to maybe having, having to leave early for practice or a skill and drill. And I, I tried to put a strong emphasis on skill and drills in the summer, but not so much that I deterred people from coming. I had to find a way to draw people into the program. And, um, and I, I often talk with the coaches. I want it when those kids come into our program for whatever time you have around them, you've got to, I want to find a way to make that be the best part of their day. It's the best part. And, um, and that way they can go home and tell mom and dad, that this is a special place and they want to get more and more people out there. Um, leadership council. Yeah. I established that in the fall. Uh, I think what you guys do there at Norwalk is definitely, I think, taking it to the next level, but I know this as a coach, I, I can't just sit there and say, man, because I, I, I remember being on several coaching staffs where you say, I just, we just don't have any leaders. I, and that statement continues to bother me to this day. Well, you don't have any leaders. Keep in mind, there's a lot, some of your best leaders that you've ever had aren't strong leaders in high school because why you've never coached them to be. And if you coach them to catch a football and uh, to take a snap and all that, then to block and tackle, but you don't coach them to do leadership. So what I tried to establish was a group of individuals that they were, it was a leadership council. They had to apply for that. Uh, and then we looked over those applications and pretty much everybody that applied, I let them be on the leadership council because it was important to them. And then within our seniors on Thursday nights, I always feel like it's important for a leader to, Oh, you always talk about leaders being lead, leaders by example, but I wanted to get them to be uncomfortable. I want the leaders to be uncomfortable because I think being uncomfortable is the only way that you really grow. And so on Thursday nights, instead of me giving the team speech and talk, uh, and I thought it worked really well as I had those group of individuals, maybe just one, and I would help prep them throughout the course of the week. Because there's nothing worse than getting up there and having no substance to when you talk because people don't listen when there's not a whole lot of substance. People don't always listen to that leader that's always the rah-rah barking at you saying it's the fourth quarter, let's go guys. They listen to the people that have some intellect and have thought through what they want to say. Now, is it always perfect? No, but at least you put them in those positions where they're challenged to say something. And, and they squirmed up there. I mean, squirm. But to me, I think they're growing and they're getting a lot better because I sure as heck at that age never wanted to talk in front of anybody. But our guys handled that really well. Um, uh, uh, let's see here. You know, um, I think that covers do, quite a few. Did things. you do anything different rolling into the school year? Did you add anything from, you know, having having <clears throat> academics now to be a piece of of uh, the puzzle and uh, you know what you were going to do from a game plan standpoint or a uh, a practice schedule weights during the season? Did you do anything different um, as you rolled into the season? Yeah, the I mean the schedule had to change. Um, and 
just finding the time to get everything done. Uh, and once again, I come back to, you got to feel out your community. Uh, I came in right away and I started doing things on a Sunday. And the only time that we could really get an additional lift in was doing it on a Sunday, then watching film and now going through that process, uh, I think it was too much. And as, as I've been told by a lot of people, and I'm figuring this out, seems like the older you get, the less is more. And sometimes you lose kids in that process. And so uh, I definitely tried to start finding ways to make that more efficient in, in, in what we did uh, and with our practices more efficient. Uh, this year at Ames is that I was also, I was the varsity coach, but I also became, we started to have a JV program too. And so within that JV program, uh, I had to find a way to find a head coach of that JV program. And I, I'm really big with, uh, you know, coaches. And I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent aside from the question that you had, but uh, I just want every coach in our program to really own their position and what they do. And I want them to be the expert. Um, so, and I also like to try and delegate as much as I can out there because I quickly learned that I can't do, I can't do everything. And as much as I want to try, I couldn't do it all. And I was becoming bad at other areas. And I, I, that's probably one area of growth that I've got. I've had the biggest area of growth is number one, patience. And then number two, um, being able to delegate. Uh, but a lot of things didn't change, at least for my first year here, going into from transitioning from the summer into the school year, because it was just, it was a different year. So I can't really... I don't know if I can really speak on it because it wasn't a true year from what I've experienced up to this point. Okay. Um, what would you got any advice for uh, young people that are, that are going out to be a head coach? Uh, I would go back to what my um, high school football coach said. And that is if you're wanting to be a head coach, go do it, um, go do it right now. And don't sit there. Don't sit there and think that you can't because everybody that's doing it for the first time, they, they don't necessarily, they're not going to just automatically excel. Um, but I think that the more experience you have at doing it, the better you will get. And you'd probably be the first to say that too, is, is the growing pains that you go through. Um, and, and that, that would be my best advice. The other part is that when you are going for an interview or you're trying to get an interview, um, like we've talked about, be different. But I think by being different, you, you just want to try and get the interview. So in order to get the interview, you have to have people that reach out on your behalf and they have to call and you have to, I think you strategically have those people call on your behalf. You can't just assume that your, your name is going to rise up the stack. You have to have other people doing the work for you and making those calls at the right time. Like I said, always having your name um, out in front, but but, uh, and, and the last bit was, is patience. Um, I, I naturally am an impatient person and, uh, just being able to slow down and just observe and not be going a thousand miles an hour, not be so programmed that I have to do this, this, and this, and the fact that then you're missing really what's probably most important. And that is spending time developing relationships with your guys and not having them think that you're the world's best coach at all schematics. 
because they don't know any better. They still think that you're the world's best at schematics if you show them a thing or two, but you have to get to know them. You have to be visible and you have to be in the hallways and you have to be at the games. That's a crucial, that is so crucial. I think the, uh, um, you know, the, the old adage of it, it, it's all about who you know is, is really true. And especially in the coaching world, you know, yeah. the more connections you have, which you talked about, remember early on, you know, about how don't, don't look past anybody, no matter if they're a freshman coach or not, but it, it is all about who you know, and you need to make sure you continue to, to foster those relationships and, and then make sure you, you work on keeping all the bridges intact, you know, and don't get the, uh, don't get the torch out. And uh, that's the truth. Because I mean, even if you're walking across the, the football field and you're shaking a hand of a guy that just beat you and you're a sore loser, well, you never know if that guy's going to hire you down the road. You just never know. And, and like my uncle would always say, he'd always say, Hey, make sure you're always holding that door for whoever it is. You're holding the door for him because yeah. you never know. It's key. Scalen, you got anything? Well, no, I, Kevin's process was much more thoughtful than mine. I was, I had my first shot at it. I think when I was 24 or 25 that I didn't get the Norwalk job. And then at 27, they gave it to me without an interview. And um, my whole, just young and dumb, my whole desire was to just to show everybody that I could do it, even though I was young. And it was, it was spend a lot of time, get everybody in the weight room. And at that point I was just really driven to win. And I didn't, you know, it wasn't until a few years later that I started thinking about program and program success. So I was just trying to do it by force of will. <laughs> at that and time, point. time yeah. spent on the job. Time spent force of will. I, I, I told you, I said, I, I think I said this in the podcast, my, my first or second season, I sat there on a parent meeting. Oh, I thought I you were going to talk the, it, it started in the back of my neck and it no, just would yeah. run up my, I am. my, it was, I had a pain from the back of my neck through my head, all the way down my spine. And I was having to argue, like I said the last week with parents about, yeah, we're going to come in on Saturday and we're going to watch film. And, um, those are, those are culture changes were hard. And when you're young and dumb and you just think everybody will think, well, heck yeah, that's the right way to do it. So I think I'm happy. I got my head job when I did, cause I was so stupid. I didn't think about one-tenth of all the things you thought about Ferguson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm still stupid, but I do, you know, <laughs> well, that's another thing about, well, like high school kids, you know, you just, there's such a, a varying degree of what's important to them. And like, what, how can you find, how can you make it what you do? Cause to me, the most important thing I do is, you know, be a, a teacher and be a football coach, but it's just, it doesn't, it's not always that same way for high school kids. There's many more that things are important. How can I make football be really important to them? You know, and that's, that's always what I'm trying to search and figure out and figure, you know, find out how to do. Well, the sooner you figure it out, the, the, the wealthier you will be um, when that happens, because that's the million dollar question. You know, I certainly think I certainly think as a head coach, the statement you made about the staff around you is is really important, because I think uh, 
you know, when we talk about this is, you know, um, the Phoenix, right? Rising we from have, the ashes, if you will. Rise from the ashes. Yes. We, when we had our uh, downturn for those years, we lost a lot of staff, you yeah. know, and, and the people coaching with us weren't bad, but we didn't have the same relationship. And with the first group, we could pretty much say, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. And you understood how that person was coaching. Mm -hmm. um, you have to reestablish that. You have to reteach your culture. You know, I think when you talk about Bill Walsh, I'm pretty sure I saw something where they had a video where they taught everybody that here's the 49er way of how they do things, right. which is disgusting for a Cowboy fan to say. But I think they, they were trying to build that culture. You know, and that's, I think that's now with, uh, you know, with, if we have coaching changes, we have to be cognizant of that, even as an established head coach. Mm -hmm. Are you handling me again? <laughs> Is that what you're doing? No, I, I'm it's not, it's not, yeah, handling. You are, if I'm your concierge, it's not handling. It's well, just me bringing perspective. It sounds like you're handling me again. I think um, you feel that way. I, I'll never do that to you, Paul. I'm always honest with you. You just talked around. <laughs> what? I'm shutting down. Okay. Um, do you have anything final, Ferguson? Um, I, I guess the last thing that I'd say is, is that I wanted to go into the first season and that I had enough things on my plate to worry about that, you know, when it comes to, you know, culture establishment, um, you know, I didn't want to bite off too many things in that first year. And uh, I think over time, yes, those things will start to trickle out more and more. Um, I think the kids know what type of team we want to have and how we want to operate. And what I've explained to them is what I'd like to see in our kids from a sportsmanship, from a level of a standard of excellence um, and how we want to go about our business. But I just didn't want to dive into too many things my first year so that I, I, I just know me and I would have been overwhelmed with trying to do too many things that you would never hit your target with anything. And, and to be honest with you, that's a, that's a mature decision because a, a younger coach, you know, somebody with, with a little bit more um, gust, you know, and like, ah, I want to, I want to come in and I want to make a change and I want to do that. You end up biting off more than you can chew and you don't want to do that. And so that's a good move on your part because eventually it'll all get there, but you, mm -hmm. you've got to decide what's most important as you, as you get ready to establish what it is that you want to have going for your, for your program. So yeah. um, that's our Papa burger. That's our, that's our meat and taters section, if you will, of, of the, <laughs> uh, of the old podcast talking to you about taking over a program and, and running that. Um, you know, basically from start to finish, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? How are you going to get yourself ready to be a head coach? What are you going to do when you, when you start to look for a place to apply, what needs to be there, what's necessary. And then what steps do you take in order to get that job from the interview to, you know, accepting the position and what's next to establishing that first summer to the first season. And um, I think you did a great job. So I appreciate the, uh, the insight there Yeah, for letting us in a little bit. I've learned uh, a lot from your last podcast, the the Phoenix, the Rise from the Ashes. So oh yeah, do some of that stuff. Whew, that was that was. I mean, we had to make some changes, otherwise we wouldn't have been around, you know. Right. And 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 it needed to happen for us. And and it was it was the right thing for us to do. And and uh, 
we don't need to go down that path. So we're going to move on. And, and we actually have history and the positive together. We are combining them this week. And that is Brandon Schmitz being the first ever head wrestling coach to win class 3A state coach of the year. Yes, sir. That is, that is a huge accomplishment, not only for, for Brandon himself, but also for his staff and then for the program. I, I think that is just a tremendous. So that's the history and the positive all together. Um, you know, and, and the one thing that, that I think wrestling does a really cool job when it comes to that is they, they know who the, who the state coach of the year is in the current year. You know, so the, the 2020, 2021 head wrestling coach or coach of the year got, got recognized at the state tournament on Saturday. Um, and then the other cool thing that they do, not only do they do it the same, the current year, um, but then they also give all the assistant coaches a plaque for being a part of the, of the staff. So just a That's tremendous cool. job out of the, out of the wrestling coaches association to, uh, to get that done. So history and positive lumped into one Brandon Schmitz class 3a state coach of the year for wrestling sorry my my phone died were, were we talking about schmitz again we just did okay uh fine <laughs> he's the man this year you're not going oh geez he's letting it hang i thought maybe maybe you would you would at least follow up with i'm just kidding i love you i'm so proud of you thought maybe that was coming but not yet so that's it. That's episode four, by the way, episode 40. So that means we are, wow. we, we made it to 10 again, you know, if we, and the, the next milestone of 10 will be obviously 50, which will be a, a big mark for us. Um, and, and then, you know, 52, that's how many weeks there are in a year. So we will be, we pretty close to creeping up on that year mark anniversary for us on the, on the old podcast, but that's still several weeks away. So we don't have to worry about it. So this episode 40, Bill Walsh, um, again, remember his, his book. Now he's had several books, but the one that we specifically were talking about this week was finding the winning edge. Um, it's a very expensive book, but if you can get your hands on it, it's the blueprint to how to run an organization. Um, I want a special shout out to, uh, the library, our, our very special non- sponsor of the uh, of the night some good memories there huh kevin ferguson some good fond memories. very fond yes yeah. Yeah. very educational they very do educational. have books on the shelves at the library maybe yes that's true maybe they do. bill walsh books is sitting there and they don't even know it's a 450 dollars book boy that we may need, need to go just to check that out and um again this was part three in our three-part series of, of basically you know we went from the dark ages to coming out of those dark ages to now running running a program for a first time person and, and taking things over. So appreciate Kevin Ferguson. Love you. Appreciate you coming on. Yes, Always sir. good to see you. Um, and, and appreciate you. Really thankful that not only did you come on and, and share your wisdom, which was perfect timing for us to do this with, with a first year guide, but also um, this to be your first podcast. Yes. I love that too. Yeah, I love it. Hey, you guys are the best. That's all I can well, say. Yeah, you're, it's yeah. your first podcast. I'd put it on your resume. It'd probably be <laughs> it'd be the first thing that would attract anybody if you were ever like looking for another job or something like that. It's going into my Google site. Yeah, there you go. Yes, there you go. Right. Put a link in there. Just That'd don't put perfect. our pictures in there. Just put the name. Got it. <laughs> the uh, uh, well, just put the put the link. 
with yeah. Bailey Bishop's original artwork in there. Yep. I think that'll work perfect. Anyway, again, awesome. as always, um, we'll accept feedback, you know, whether, whether I'm right or Scallon's right or neither one of us are right or whatever the deal is, just we, we'd love to hear from you if you've got anything to say. If, we, if you know the origin of Peter, um, we'll take that too. And uh, we appreciate you listening. This is Talk in the Walk, episode 40, Bill Walsh, special guest, Kevin Ferguson. I am Paul Patterson, signing off. I'm Tom Scallon. Good night. Kevin Ferguson, see ya. Closing time. Thank you for listening to the Talk in the Walk podcast show. Yeah.